Hi, listeners. Welcome to the podcast. Great to have you with us. In this episode, we're doing something a little differently. Ben, who normally hosts the podcast, is the one being interviewed today. Ben shares his own personal story of a healing from a DVT in his leg after a cycling accident. Ben also tells us of a time where he suffered PTSD after witnessing another very serious accident and how God miraculously delivered him from this condition that was really affecting every aspect of his life. Whether it's our heart, our mind, our body or our soul, God's promises have us covered in life. Wherever you're listening, I know you'll enjoy this one. Welcome, Ben, to your own show. Today we're doing something a bit different. I'm interviewing you. Technically, it's not my own show. I think it's the Lord's show. I just help facilitate. We've had a few guest hosts now. Um, I think you're probably our third. Oh, okay. Well, I'm a total noob at it, so um, uh, it's going to be interesting. We'll just sort of go with the flow. And uh, you've got a couple of really um, amazing stories about things God has done. And that's one thing I think is really interesting is that for so many people around the world, they can live their whole life and they just hope that a leaf will fall off a tree, you know, in answer to their prayer. Or, But you and I and so many people we know are used to God doing things and not just little things that are insignificant, but really personal and really what people would think are huge things. Yeah, the amount of people that who, uh, and because this is not video, I have my fingers up with inverted commas uh, or quotation marks, who, who are Christian and have never seen a miracle, astounds me. Mm. And they've been believers for 30, 40, 50 years. Mm. And and I could give 30, 40, 50 examples yep. of, of miracles that have happened in mine and my family's life, and that's not uncommon. I'm no different than anybody else inside of our church where we see many miraculous things. Mm. It's because we believe. It's because we follow what the Scriptures say and we, and we believe. Yeah, we take him at his word. And I think that's mm. the thing is we just see ourselves as disciples of Jesus Christ, followers of Jesus Christ, and the followers of Jesus Christ that were walking around with him saw a whole bunch of things. It was a daily occurrence and real things in real people's lives. And yeah, that's great. Looking forward to hearing those stories. And just by way of introduction, how I know you, uh, even though we live in different states now, you were my older brother's, one of his best mates growing up. So you were kind of always just a little bit older than me, but now that we're both old, that doesn't really matter. No, (laughs) a couple of years now is... uh is immaterial compared to a couple of years back when you're 14, 15, 16, 17. Yeah, that's right. And, um, you know, yeah, I, I know you as the guy who was kind of always into cars and bikes and a fair bit of petrol running through your veins and a bit of an adrenaline guy, but a really genuine guy. And I remember when you and Emily got together and, yeah, just amazing things. So where do you want to start? What story do you want to start with this morning? Uh, well, you mentioned bikes. I've had a few, uh, I've had a few miraculous things that have happened in and around things that uh, relate to bikes. I'm uh, less of a petrol head now, and more of a cyclist now, uh, and with that comes some inherent risk. And if it's not, if it wasn't for the grace of God, perhaps I wouldn't be here um, mm. now because of some of those things, which has been really amazing. I might start perhaps with. A story that sort of relates to me but also relates to somebody else. So a few years ago now, maybe five or six, maybe four or five, I can't remember exactly how long ago it was, 
I was with uh, two brothers in Christ, um, Nathan Lyon, who we who we both know very well, uh, nice. and Pastor Chris Jose from Melbourne, and we were here in Adelaide and riding towards a particular cycling event early one morning, and Pastor Chris had quite a bad accident, and to the point where I thought he was dead. It was quite serious, wow. and uh, and fortunately he wasn't. Um, praise mm. the Lord, and uh, and I won't tell that whole story because I think mean, it's a story for another day, but. But what was interesting out of that was how I reacted to it. And I didn't realise this until a long time later, but uh, it really affected me quite significantly. And I was having constant flashbacks to the scene um, and to the accident. And this is, I couldn't get to sleep, you know, because I constantly have these flashbacks and have them during the day. Mm. I couldn't get the screaming uh, out of my head. Um, wow. that, would, that would come back, back to me quite a lot. And I... Over a period of, of quite a number of weeks, in fact, a couple of months, this seemed to you know, continue. And to the point where it was still there, but not as conscious in my thought. But I started to have a number of other physical symptoms that came along with that as well. I started to feel quite unwell. Mm. I found it really difficult to be around people and being around people. What are you like normally? Like how would you describe your normal kind of base level? Extrovert, introvert? Uh, I'm an introvert, but I can be an outgoing introvert when I try. So yeah. um, so my you know, natural place is to be, uh, my place of recharge is, is you know, by myself or with a small number of people. But, you know, my day-to-day job was a manager of people in a mm. large corporation. And so, uh, you know, so I had a number of people that I was responsible for. And so that was what I did every single day yeah, um, for yeah. eight, or eight, or nine hour, eight or nine hours a day. And so uh, I couldn't even go to work. I'd get to work um, and I really had to force myself to get there. Mm. And uh, I was riding to and from work past the accident scene, which I'll come back to a bit later. <laughs> uh, and uh, I'd get to work and I'd say hi to the team, talk about what's you know, planned for today, you know, other things. And then I'd have to leave. Uh, and makes up some excuse of where I was going or or whatever, and I spent quite a quite a many day inside of a picture theatre um, at the movies because it was the only place that I f- could get refuge from the thoughts that were in my head and the and the screaming, um, and and it was really really difficult, and you know I felt like I was constantly about to burst into tears. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, when you told me that bit about the picture, see, that, like going to the movies, mm. and I, I was really shocked by that because I thought, I don't know fully what your job was before, but I know that it was a very, it was a high profile job, a lot of responsibility, um, new tech kind of job, managing people in that space. And I don't think that, you know, turn up to work, have a coffee, brief the team and go to the movies was in that job description. No, it wasn't. No, no. <laughs> and in fact, I did end up talking uh, to my boss, and I'll come back. I'll come back to mm. that uh, that part of it. Uh, but you're exactly right, and um, and people started to notice. Mm. My team started to notice. My family started to notice. My kids started to notice. They asked, were asking Emily, "What's wrong with Dad?" Yeah. Um, no one could put a finger on it. Not even me. And I, um, in fact, Nathan Lyon even noticed from afar. Um, right. Because I kept extending my holiday. Because um, um, then I, you know, because I couldn't go to work, then I'd, you know, I'd you know, have some more days off on a holiday. So, and he's going, "Do you ever go to work <laughs> these days?" Um, yeah. And because I felt like I needed to take, you know, taking a longer break because it was at the beginning of the year. And so, and so this went on for quite a long period of time. And 
uh, I started to feel physically unwell. And in fact, I went to the doctor to talk about what I was feeling and how I was feeling physically unwell. Um, and the doctor started asking me a number of questions, which seemed a little bit, uh, I didn't quite understand them, particularly at that point. So you're like, I'm not, I'm not here for that. I'm here for, cause I'm feeling physically unwell. You didn't even join the dots really then. No, not really. There was a, sort of an inkling, but I hadn't, you know, hadn't really joined the dots of exactly what was going on because I'd never experienced it before. Mm. And, you know, in fact, I'd seen so far removed from who I was normally. I mean, I'd previously, when we lived in Melbourne, um, had a role uh, over there. We'd actually had a person die at work. Right. And I was one of the first people, you know, I was there on the scene and, mm. you know, coordination of what, what happened, et cetera. And, and that didn't affect me. Like it was sad, mm. but it didn't, it didn't affect me. So, I, of course, I didn't join the dots between these things, you know. And anyway, so the, uh, after a period of time, the doctor had sort of ended her questioning, et cetera, and said, I think you're suffering from PTSD and, uh, or post-traumatic stress disorder. And I'm like, okay, what is that? Mm. And in a typical guy fashion, what is it? Um, yeah. <laughs> How do we fix it? How do we fix it? How long is it going to take? Right? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Over the, the, yeah. Over the three, the three questions, and of course she said that she wasn't, you know, qualified to to co- confirm that diagnosis, but you know she was highly uh, highly suspicious that that's what it was. Um, to the point where she wrote up a, a government funded mental health care plan mm. um, for me and uh, referred me off to a psychologist. Did she connect? You know, when you went in there for physical symptoms, how did she actually she connect it with the bike accident? Did she ask you if you had any trauma or that sort of stuff, or she, you actually proffered that? No, I think uh, if I remember, she started some questions about other things that were going on. Yeah, because uh, she, I think she might have suspected it might have been stress related. Yeah, um, and I think that led to yeah. led, led to the questions. Mm. And so I think that was like a. Wednesday or something like that, mm. and she referred me off to a psychologist. I got in pretty quickly, um, within a couple of days, wow. and I um, uh, and I got to see a psychologist on a. I paid for it, um, so it wasn't through the public system. Um, on a Friday, mm. and same type of analysis, same type of response, same type of diagnosis, um, and then of course the same questions from me: Why did this happen? Yeah. What do I? Uh, what, what can we do to fix it? And how long is it going to take? And do you have to tell my wife? <laughs> Don't tell my <laughs> wife. I'm not invincible. Well, what she did say, she said, you need to you need to talk to uh, your workplace, mm. and you need to talk to obviously your family, etc. As well, which I did. And she said, she said, Ben, this could be months. This could be years. This could be never mm. that you're that this is resolved. And of course, I'm like, that's not okay. Yeah. Months is too long but never is is definitely too long unacceptable were you thinking about god then you know like him making a way out of this or promises of god or was it the problem that was front and center probably not right at that point uh at that point i'm going yeah this is just not okay i don't think i i don't think i'd had a resolution at that point of Lord, you need to heal me. Mm. Um, but that came not long after. And she was so concerned that we uh, we start a healing, if that's the right term um, in psychology, that uh, we had a follow-up appointment on the Monday. Wow. And, and of course, I was practically very keen to get resolution as well. So mm. I was, yeah, sure, Monday, no problem. And 
And so, of course, I've gone home, I've told Emily, things started to make sense about you know, behaviour and, you know, what was going on with me and et cetera. So that, that was all good. And then the next day uh, was Saturday and I was due to give a talk or a presentation at our prayer and fasting event here in Adelaide at the mm-hmm. Vogue Theatre. For those that don't know, it's a it's an old picture theatre, probably seats six or seven hundred people, something like that. Probably wouldn't have been quite as full on that day, but it'd have to have been four or five hundred people there, maybe. Mm. And I was due to stand up in front of them and effectively preach. And prayer and fasting is a day that we set aside where we don't eat food and we're just drinking water. And so you're not always um I know sometimes during those, they're very it's one of those things that doesn't make sense logically, but when I do it, the fruit that comes from it is amazing. But you tend to take a bit of a physical hit, so you're not feeling at your best physically at a prayer and fast often. So if you're already not feeling great, the stakes sort of become a bit higher. Correct. And my natural approach to when I stand up in front of an audience, whether that's 50 people, 500 people, a couple thousand people, mm because I'm an introvert by nature, that's not the place that I go, oh, awesome, it's tomorrow not, I'm up in front of a group of people. It's not your happy place. When, I, when I'm up there, yeah. um, I'm fine. Yeah. But but the process of getting up there is always, uh, uh, there's always jelly in the legs, that's yeah. for sure. Um, and then I get up there and I'm completely fine. So, so here I am mm. now sitting in an audience to give a presentation in front of you know 500 people where I really just can't be around people because of, of you know, my illness um, wasn't great. And how long is this after the incident, the accident, this time frame? I think it was a couple of months, might have been six weeks maybe. Okay, you have a bike accident, you fix the bike because that's a mechanical thing and that's first cab off the rank, you know. Well, that's always the good thing because hopefully you get a new bike out of it. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> So, you know, Pastor Chris is kind of recovering during this time too. You're doing your journey, if you like, on your own and it's just kind of come out a few days before you go to this presentation and Emily's sitting beside you, is she, in this prayer and fast? So she's she's sitting next to me yeah. and she's in her mind going, I don't know what's going to happen here. Right. I don't know. Is Ben going to freeze in his seat? Is he going to be able to get up on the stage? Is he going to get up on the stage and then freeze completely while he's up there? Is he going to burst into tears? She's probably thinking, should I intervene? Should I talk to someone and say, hey, we need to tap out here? Or Exactly. So, But I, that day, my prayer and fast, I, you know, this, this was obviously the thing that I needed to be healed from. Mm. Uh, and so this was my dedication on this day that I needed the Lord to heal me from this. And, and my prayer was was along the lines, well, it wasn't along the lines, it was, my prayer was, Lord, you need to heal me from this because I can't serve you if you don't. I know that prayer. Do you know that prayer? Yes. Well, of course you know that prayer. I'll tell you a little story after about that. Yeah. yeah. And, and it wasn't, so it wasn't a prayer about, Lord, heal me because this is painful or Lord, heal me. Mm. It was... Um, and maybe it should have, maybe it could have been, or should have been, and it certainly had been that you know that had been part of my prayer beforehand. But on this day, it was Lord, I can't serve you because 
uh, I have this illness, so you need to heal me. Mm-hmm. And part of that was because I had to get up on stage in yeah. you know in an hour in an hour's time or, or whatever. But it was a really genuine, um, heartfelt prayer. Yeah. Not because I didn't want to be embarrassed about getting up on the stage, because I just knew that as a as a house leader and a, and someone who's involved in the church that you know I had responsibility mm. that I needed I needed the Lord to heal me f- um, for that. I think the interesting thing to me is like we often talk about this thing called a step in faith, right? Before you even prayed that prayer, like the premise of that prayer is that I'm committed to take this step in faith to get up there and do this presentation. Therefore, Lord, you need to heal me. So we. A step in faith, we often don't, it's not the same thing every time. Sometimes it's just to kneel and pray. Sometimes it's to call out on God. It's, But I think it's an interesting thing that your step in faith here was a prayer that God would enable you to serve him. It's interesting when you put it that way because the actual going there was part of the step in faith mm. because I could have, you know, like I'd done at work, made excuses and not gone. Gone to the movies. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but but my prayer was, you know, Lord, you need to heal me. Yeah. And uh, and the, you're exactly right. The step was actually getting there, having you know my butt in that seat, mm. um, praying. You know, while we were in the prayer sessions there, listening to the other encouragement that was coming from the stage, and getting up out of my seat when it was my turn. That moment came. Uh, so the moment came. So I got up and I walked down the front. And as I walked up onto the stage, it was like every other time. It was no different. And I you know, delivered my talk and my presentation and I got down from the stage and I've never had another one of those symptoms ever again. Not one. Not one. That is a complete miracle. And I imagine that psychologists can really help us, but they work at a, a natural level with knowledge and experience and insight and all these things and science. But I imagine that probably the psychologist didn't say, look, Ben, to actually be healed of this thing, for this thing to be resolved, you need to give a presentation in front of 700 people. She, she did. I mean, she, the, you know, there was some advice she did give. She said, don't, don't go past the accident scene. You know, don't ride your push bike past the accident scene. Yeah. And some other practical things around you know, managing my you know, engagement input with people mm. uh, in terms of you know, limiting that and, and some other things. Mm. And so you're right, it's sort of very conflicted with you know, standing up in front of 500 people and mm. giving a presentation. And mm. that's the wonderful thing. When God talks about peace that passes understanding, it's a kind of peace that isn't sourced or derived from a logical outcome. So what you did that day in taking that step in faith and really relying on God, God answered because of that prayer of faith, because of your heart. I, the little story I have around that is, and this is a big story, but it's a little segue is I remember there's not many times in my life where I feel, I felt like I have God in a corner. (laughs) Now that's a strange thing to say because God's never in a corner. (laughs) What do you mean? Like, as in backed into a corner? Yeah, yeah. Like that, he has yeah. to do something. He has to answer this. Yeah. Right. And I remember when my wife was suffering with mental health, very, very poor mental health for many, many years. And I, I knew that God was calling me to serve in a role as a pastor. 
in the church. And what I also knew was that I couldn't possibly, like she had to come first before any role in the church. So I knew if God's calling me to do this, I remember this time praying, kneeling and praying, and I realized if God's calling me to do this role and he knows and I know that I can't do it if she's not healed, then he has to heal her for this calling to be fulfilled. And I was praying and I started grinning. I was smiling and I just knew God had to do it. And it's not many times I know God has to do it. And it was, it was actually a really interesting moment. You may not have had that getting up out of your seat. You just kind of did it. But the outcome's the same, isn't it? The healing power of God is just the answer to a step in faith. Yeah. Yeah, I remember just as I was walking, I thought, Lord, this is yours. Mm-hmm. This is not mine. This is yours. Hmm. Yeah. I remember the talk that I gave. It was called uh, Hearing is Not Enough. Okay. And and I talked about the difference between when we hear things, it's the acknowledgement of what, what is. Yeah. And so, so people are you know, hearing this podcast at the moment. Yep. But when we understand what's happening or we, we acknowledge the words that are being spoken, that's the true listening phase. So mm-hmm. one is hearing, the you know, there's something going on. Yep. Second is the listening phase. I now acknowledge uh, what's happening. Then we learn, mm-hmm. which is really the preparation stage. So when we when we hear, we really listen and understand what's going on, then we learn by what we're hearing. Yep. But at that point, still nothing's been gained. Mm-hmm. Nothing's changed. Nothing's happened. Yep. There's no benefit that's come from the hearing, the listening, yep. uh, or the learning. It's the action. It's the James chapter 1. This man shall be blessed in his deed. This man shall be healed when he gets out of his seat. Correct. And it's the action where... That's where it counts. Mm. That's where change comes from, and so yeah, hearing is hearing is not enough. Um, so yes, yeah, so that was the that was the talk. I love that. I'm so glad you found it. And I've got a I don't know if you noticed, but I've got a bit of a dust in my eye. I'm getting uh, you know, I just think that is incredible because in James chapter one, the thing I love about that scripture it says that if we just hear and we walk away, we forget who we are. God healed you because of who you are. You're His son. And you don't need any more reason than that. It's pretty humbling. It's pretty humbling, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. Wow. And so when you came back to your seat, Emily's like, phew. Massive (laughs) smile. Didn't have to call the fire brigade. No, massive smile on her dial, Mm. uh, on her face, as you can imagine. And as I said, I've I've not had had a symptom uh, of that since. Mm. And I I rang the psychologist up on on Monday. Mm Mm-hmm. In fact, I think I sent her an email because it was the Super Bowl and I was having a day off work and uh, we, had a bun- we had a bunch of guys around my house, yeah. which we do every Super Bowl. And so I think I'd sent her an email and said, look, I'm cancelling the appointment. This is why mm. uh, I've been healed, I believe, and I think I might have, might have even shared a scripture with her. And she, uh, she wrote back and said, uh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, she said, just be aware that uh, that's not common and that sometimes people have minor reprieves for a very short period of time um, before it comes back. Mm. Uh, and that was five years ago. That's, a, that's quite a major reprieve, really, five years. Yeah. Did you know when you sat down, did you feel that you'd been healed? Mm. You did. Yeah, I knew, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I knew once I'd stepped onto the stage. Yeah, wow. Yeah, once I'd stepped onto the stage, I knew. Well, that's incredible. Mm. 
That's yeah, incredible. That's cool. And and I remember, yeah, I remember Pastor Chris saying to me that he was I'm not sure devastated was the word he used, but I think it was something like that. That what had happened to him was the sort of the cause of what happened to me. Mm. And uh, and I said, no, no, I actually, I'm glad I had that experience. I'm glad I went through that because it gives me a real appreciation for what other people go through, mm. whether they be people we know who suffer from you know, mental ill health or whether it's people I don't know who I meet for the first time. Uh, it really gives me a really strong appreciation. Now, mm. not that I'm dealing with what they're dealing with mm. necessarily, but but just uh, how it can how it can impact you. Well, it's, um, and it's so, empathy, isn't it? Hundred um, percent. Even if there's not a hundred percent understanding, but the empathy really helps you to connect. And yeah, yeah. So I'm really thankful. I'm thankful for the experience. Of course, I'm more thankful for the healing. Yeah. But yeah, it was an amazing thing to go through. Mm. Wow. And in fact, I'd um, about a, uh, maybe 18 months after that, mm. I had a, an accident myself uh, where I was hit by two cars uh, while I was riding home from work um, one day. So a car pulled in front of me. and One's not enough? I'm an overachiever. <laughs> um, I like two cars, right, okay. <laughs> two cars. I hit one and then sort of flew over the top of that one and landed on, on top of another car. Yeah. And I'll come back to the lady who was in that car because this is an important point. Okay. And uh, that was a pretty bad way, um, obviously, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was uh, I was taken to hospital. I, I was, as I'm lying on the ground, of course, I'm praying. Mm. I didn't realise I was praying in tongues. Um, and yeah. people are going, are you okay? Are you okay? Like, as, like they thought I'd. Lost it, yeah. You know. This is the only way I'm okay at this moment. Yeah. <laughs> Out of interest, I don't know you as a sort of a cruisy slow rider. What sort of speed do you think you were doing? And uh, I think I was only I think I was only doing about 35. Yeah, um, I was on the flat. Uh, but when you hit a yeah a stationary object at 35 yeah. uh, with um, uh, not much protection, totally. Uh, yeah, 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 and. My injuries uh, had no skin off, which is really unusual given, wow. you know, lycra and, and, and other things. But I, I clearly had something wrong with my leg, and mm. uh, you know, had a lot of lot of chest pain, which um, which was diagnosed with broken ribs. And um, you know, I got into the hospital, and you know, they triage you, and there's people all over you checking every every vital and every mm. every part. And uh, while I was uh, in uh, a room waiting to see a doctor, uh, my foot went cold. Right. And basically my, the main artery in my leg had been damaged uh, and wow. was, uh, was torn uh, and uh, that is what, that's what it caused the loss of blood to the foot. Mm. And so immediate surgery, uh, they called in a surgeon um, and immediate surgery to, to get that repaired and uh, that all went fine, right? no, no major dramas that came out of that. About a year later... Uh, after I'd recovered. Oh, sorry. No, no, there's, no, sorry. There's another miracle in here. Sorry. The injuries were broken ribs, mm -hmm. major, um, major, major femoral artery busted, busted ACL ligament, okay, torn LCL, torn meniscus in right. the knee, all in that same leg. Yeah. So, surgery repaired the artery. I then had this this broken torn ACL which needed surgery to repair mm. and uh, I'd gone and seen a couple of surgeons and and I didn't really want to have surgery um, I'd sort of been done okay. I'd done with the hospital thing and I and and I and I basically just put it to the Lord and said Lord I don't want I don't want to have surgery because you know it's six weeks before I can do anything and be on the leg because of the repair to the to the artery I don't want then another 
period of time where it's another six weeks before I can start walking again. And so I put put that to the Lord. I didn't want to have a, a surgery. Uh, anyway, the um, the knee was amazing. My recovery on that was so extraordinary that and because it was a motor vehicle accident, you have to be assessed by independent uh, medical assessors to yep. determine the long-term nature of your injuries so I they can give you that. So they can give you a payout, right? So you've been through, been through that process. And I assume the one in South Australia is similar to, to New South Wales. And the independent medical assessor said to me, he said, Ben, uh, unless I'd read the case notes, I couldn't tell you which knee has the broken ACL. He said, I, couldn't, he said, I can't that tell. That is miraculous. And since that time, it's not like you've just been lying around on the couch, you've really given that ACL a good workout. So so just to prove the Lord had healed me, and I'm not a runner, but I ran the Bay, the City of the Bay Fun Run or whatever it is. You yeah. Know. Uh, I mean, that's quite a few Ks. Yeah, maybe yeah. 10 or 12 or something like that. Oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't know exactly. And what was most astounding out of it was that at the end, uh, my knee was sore, but it was the other knee, not the damage. <laughs> <laughs> so it was that knee that was sore, not the one that had actually had oh. the busted ACL. And of course, you know, um, I do mountain biking and other, you know, silly, silly sports. And so uh, never had an issue, never had an issue, mm-hmm. praise the Lord. But about a year later, um, I was having a lot of pain uh, in the leg, in particular in the lower part of the leg. And it's quite excruciating. I went to present at the, at the hospital uh, and I had a deep vein thrombosis, um, right. which is uh, which is effectively a blocked um, a blocked um, vein and a clot inside it, inside clot. of that yeah. vein. Yeah, from a clot. And went back to see the surgeon and they'd done some scans, etc. and it was 23 centimetres long, the clot. The clot. So, which is, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I imagine those things yeah. to be very small normally. Like a small clot can make it a major problem, like it can kill Correct. you, right? Yeah. So it was 23 centimetres long. And the surgeon was very cautious about saying it was related to the original surgery because they had to take a vein to repair the artery. But anyway, he said, uh, you know, he looked at that, looked at the scans, et cetera, and Emily was there with me. And he said, uh, said, Ben, basically what that is 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 now that's solid, right? That will be there for the rest of your life. Um, And your body just works its way around. There's lots of veins in your legs and it will just reroute the blood back, you know, around that. Mm. And of course, we said, "Well, you know, we believe in the power of prayer." He said, "No, that's good." And here's a here's an anticoagulant or blood thinner uh, medication. He said that won't reduce it. He said, "But what that will do is will stop others uh, forming." And that was you were supposed to be on that for about six months. Yep. Okay. Yep. And so I had you know follow up appointments. So of course we prayed about it. And during my prayer, I actually went back and I somebody said to me, "Ben, do you remember when you interviewed you and Christine Maxwell?" And I went, "Yeah." And they said, remember, Ewan had a DVT in his arm that he was healed of miraculously. And I went, I don't even remember that. I'm going to go back and have a listen. And so <laughs> and so I'm, I'm riding my bike to work again and I'm listening to, to Ewan and Christine's story about Ewan being healed. And I've got tears in my eyes because um, it's such an amazing story. And I, and I was just, the Lord's healed Ewan and the Lord's going to heal me. Yeah. Faith comes by hearing. And so... The next time we went back, I uh, had another scan and I told him we've been praying uh, about it and it was now 10 centimetres long. Less than half. So you could see this externally on your leg? 
No. Or no, no, or only internally? So actually I could, but the way I saw it is because my right calf had swelled up because the way the blood then reroutes, mm. so my leg had swollen and uh, and even to this day my right calf is bigger than my left calf. And... But he could see, you know, he he obviously could see from the from the scans exactly yeah. what was going on inside. And he said, Oh, that's a bit unusual. He said, But you know, that's gonna be there. That that last piece will be there, you know, for um it said it's calcified or whatever the term was that he used. Yeah. So of course we said, Well, we'll see you next time and we'll see what it's like next time. So follow up appointment after that was four centimeters long. <laughs> was he sort of joining the dots and seeing a pattern here or not not that he would admit um, yeah yeah uh, he did say whatever you're doing keep doing it I do remember yeah. that conversation yeah. and then uh, of course the last time we went and saw him there was nothing it was gone completely praise God which is amazing so yeah uh, he certainly does look after us oh absolutely and mm. you mentioned something in that story you said you'll come back to you said the lady in the car. Oh, the lady in the car. The lady That's in right. the car I had the accident. Yeah. So, because she was the she was you, if you like, in the correct. first story you gave, you were the observer who witnessing. Yeah. Yeah. And she was that person this time. Correct. So she's just sitting in her car at an intersection, and the next minute, this great big cyclist lands on her windscreen and on her bonnet, oh. um, smashes the windscreen, smashes her car up. So you imagine that would be, and of course, she, and she couldn't get out of the car. Um, because I had then fallen down onto the road um, next to her door, head first, as it turns out, and and she couldn't get out of the car. So while the ambulance is there and police and all those sorts of things, she's still stuck in the car. Anyway, one of the things that I took away from that accident was I thought I thought how close I was to death, and mm. I thought if the Lord really wanted me to come home, He would have taken me. And so, mm. and so I had this real resolution after that accident that clearly the Lord still wants me here for something so I better get on with finding out what that is yeah. uh, and doing it and and I reached out to both the people involved in the accident so the lady who who pulled in front of me uh, mm. and the lady in the car to, to once I was out of hospital said I wanted to show them I was okay but really on the premise that I wanted to witness to them and so of course the lady who I'd who, whose car I hit first was pretty reluctant. Um, she thought I might rant on her. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, of course, there was none of that. Um, no. And so we got a good good witness into her. But the lady that I um, I landed, whose car I landed on top of, she when, we, when, we, when I met with her, she said, Ben, she said, you're the only person from that whole accident scene that has inquired about my, how I am. Mm. She said, Nobody. No police, no medical personnel. And she said, um, I was diagnosed with a PTSD um, and, yeah. uh, after it. And, of course, I had an amazing testimony that I could share with her uh, about it. Um, but I suffered nothing. I had no, there was no flashbacks. There was no recurrence of symptoms. There was no, uh, there was no nothing that tied that, that new accident to what I'd suffered from previously. Um, and you think, you know, if there's going to be the ultimate trigger, it's going to be that. Yeah, maybe. You know, yeah, if you were yeah. saying to a psychologist, you know, what could trigger this again? Well, having an accident yourself, being in a bike accident and being injured and, you know, that's amazing. So what do you think about this? I've often thought that the things that happen to us, so the Bible says that the things that happen to people in the Old Testament 
were examples unto us upon whom the ends of the world are come. So things in their life and their true stories and the real things they went through, difficulties where God came through, they help us. I've actually wondered, and I believe, that many times things happen to us and it's actually partly for us to receive a healing and to have to act in faith and to be built up in our faith and strengthened in our resolve to walk with God. But then lots of times over years, you've got this story that so many people are now going to hear and have heard, and it's going to help all of them. So do you think that sometimes things happen to us to benefit other people? God using that story? I think that I'm not. I'm not sure. God put the car in. Yeah, the car no, in front of me. No, not like that. Right? Not like that. But He <laughs> so, uses but... that that opportunity or that miracle is is sort of like reused endlessly now. Hmm. It's powerful look, to many people. Uh, look, I think absolutely. Um, and I've seen lots of examples of things that are quite miraculous over the years. Where had they not happened a particular way, you could use coincidence or you could use your own personal skills or abilities to say that, you know, you did this or that person did that or whatever. But when we have such clear examples and we remove ourselves out of the situation and we remove, even remove the doctors and, and, and other people who can help us out of the situation, um, where they're not a party to the miracle, mm. then then absolutely I think God provides those miracles for us to use of his grace and his power. Mm. So um, things happen to us in life. God intervenes. He creates, you know, he turns mourning or sadness into joy. Yeah. But then the interesting thing to me is that you felt moved and you took action and you really the Holy Spirit was leading you, I believe, to contact those people. And you suddenly find that this miracle in my life of being healed from PTSD, now I'm involved in this situation with this other lady and I can share from personal experience. Just incredible. Yeah. And, you know, had that not happened, had the first healing not happened and the second an accident and the subsequent healings not happened, Mm. I would have never met that lady, unlikely. Yeah. So who knows where that will lead. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, we don't always, um, you know, we're not always the last step in the process before someone responds to God. We can be one of a million or more. And it's just about being content to be that person to speak the word that we're led to say and let that seed grow. I was away uh, recently on a uh, on a holiday, and I bumped into a client of mine who has, I think, now had seven or eight different touch points from people inside of our fellowship. Wow! Uh, he stayed with someone on the on the east coast. Who we didn't know, right? From our, from your fellowship, okay. yep. uh, he, his physio is from our fellowship. Okay, <laughs> he's my client. Um, he just needs to give up, doesn't he? he, he and the last time I bumped into him, he was working away, uh, and I was holidaying in this remote part of South Australia where where he was working, mm. and uh, and I bump into him, and he meets somebody else from our fellowship as well, and I said, man. I said, you just got to give up, right? You just got to stop fighting this thing because you're being called. No, I'm not, he says, with a, with a big smile on his face. <laughs> um, so you're right. So sometimes we're, you're right. We're not, the, we're not the last person in that chain, yeah. right? We, everyone's yep. putting a bit of water on, right? Mm. That's right. 
we've had some really amazing stories up here recently of people who God is just undeniably calling and people who, you know, in John, John 10, he says, you know, there are sheep, other sheep who are not of this fold, them I must draw to myself, Jesus says. And these these stories are people who God has just been moving in their life and leading them to this point, and they've just recently been born again, baptised, filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and a couple of them, like almost no human intervention over many years, just the Lord moving and and then exciting results happening. So oh, it's so good to be a part of it, isn't it? Mm, it is amazing. It's yeah. absolutely amazing. I bet you've got 100 more stories. Uh, I do. Uh, we might need to share them another day. Yeah, sure. We've all, sure. Got, we've all got hundreds of stories, haven't we? That's it. And that's actually one of the things I often say to people when they come to one of our meetings. They walk into, you know, the building and there's, they can sense these people have got something. I just say, look, every single person here can tell you about God doing miracles in their life. And if they just started coming to the first world, they've just been baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, I say, mate, you you have just got such an awesome treasure chest in front of you. The more you get to talk to people, the more you'll hear of God just being alive and working and powerful and personal and healings and provision. And, and a miracle for every occasion. Absolutely. For every Absolutely. occasion. We've even uh, now on the, on the revivalontheairtoday.com website, we've started mm. categorising so you can click in and look for categories. So if you're looking for uh, you know, a healing or a healing from mm. mental, mental ill health or relationship, you know, healing from relationship issues or uh, you know, a complete life transformation, you know, there's all these different categories now in there just to show people that if I'm suffering from this or I'm worried about this or this is, uh, this is in my life, I will. I can go in there and listen to not one story, one, two, three, four, ten uh, different stories. Um, if you're listening to this and you're um, struggling with something or you want to know how God can do something in your life that you haven't seen before, uh, send us an email or jump on the website. Um, mm. We're happy to, happy to point you in the right direction. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, thanks for your time this morning, Ben. It's um, no, Thank you. It's just good keeping it casual and having a chat. I was a little nervous. <laughs> now, now, I know how, now I know how people on the other side of the microphone feel when I ask them to share their stories. It was a little bit of nerves, but it was pretty painless. Ah, uh, no, it's really good, really good. Well, I, I know I look forward to hearing the new episodes, so um, I'm sure this one's going to strike a chord with a lot of people. Good stuff. All right, thanks, Matt. Thanks. God bless. Yeah. Bye. Well, thanks, Ben, for those amazing true stories. The Bible tells us that things that are impossible to us as humans are possible with God. This podcast series is packed with good news. There's hours of listening and each personal story is a miraculous gem. Look for more episodes in your podcast app or on our website, revivalontheairtoday.com or you can find us on socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter or YouTube. If you're looking for God, if you want to get to know Him personally, send us an email and we can point you in the right direction. Podcast at revivalontheairtoday.com. We look forward to having you with us again soon. God bless. God bless.